Hello, this is Pastor Bob Gray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast here at Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. I trust the services will be a blessing to you. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. You can find our information on the website at ebclongview.com. Let's go right into the services of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Enjoy God's Word. The Ruth chapter 3 is where we're going, and I'm so sorry, Ruth chapter 2 is where we're headed uh, tonight, Ruth chapter 2. And um, I do want you to be in prayer for Brother Ortiz. Um, it may seem like just a prayer request, but he is in uh, Mexico, in uh, Zacatecas is the state, Fresnillo is the city. And uh, I've had the privilege of being right where Brother Ortiz is right now. I've been there two times, three times, I think. And the last time, uh, we uh, were surrounded by the cartel, and uh, we had to sneak out of the church in a van, hiding behind a bunch of kids to get to a safe house to stay there until all the coast was clear. And, uh, and there are several of our members that are still here, several of you in the auditorium, uh, that you were with us on that trip. We got done preaching the last night of the missions trip, and uh, Brother Ortiz came back into the church, and at the time, it's Stephanie Carrillo, uh, was a student here, and we were down there. Her daddy was the pastor. The church is situated, if the square is, is the compound, if you will. It's full of houses, full of neighborhoods. We held a uh, children's program. There's only one entrance in. The church sits in the back left quadrant with a concrete wall all the way around all these houses and streets and everything. That day, we had gone soul winning, and there were the police that were uh, patrolling I thought they were the police, and, uh, and Madison Wenger, Stephanie Carrillo, and Emily Tester, uh, and I, we were soul winning. I thought it was the police, so I went up, and as I do in my own uh, way, hey, uh, El Pastor from America, Americano, I'm joking with them, and so I try to hand them a track, and Stephanie's going nuts, and she's like, Pastor, get away from those people, they're not the police. And I said, how do you know? And as Stephanie said, they don't match. Their uniform doesn't match. So long story short, um, Ed Metters was with us that night. And uh, so they lined the children up, the church members. We snuck out, got into the back of the van. Ed Metters is sitting next to me with his knees up by his chin. And, and uh, they put the kids on the inside. Sure enough, the thing that sparked all of this was that Madison uh, got ill that night and Stephanie decided because she's from there to put her in her car so here's a beautiful blonde headed college girl uh, and they drove back to Stephanie's house the cartel blocked Stephanie in and wanted to know where the American girl was and so all this led to us uh, so the area that he's talking about y'all trust it when, when he says it's a very volatile area um, so all this happened. I never told anybody when we got back. I never mentioned it to any of the family members of the people who went. And then one day during a service, I started telling this story. And the parents were like, you didn't. My wife was like, you didn't tell me. So anyway, so uh, do pray for Brother Ortiz. She said, Pastor, are you ever going back to Fresnillo? Nope. 
And uh, so that's why God sent Brother Ortiz down there. Uh, so Ruth chapter 2, uh, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for all that you've done. And Lord, we've been studying through the book of Ruth. And Lord, I ask on this night that you would help us, that you would bless us. And Lord, as we take a look at what's going on, help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, if you'll go back to Ruth chapter 1 and verse number 1, I know we've had the holidays. Just want to kind of bring us up to speed in the book of Ruth. And uh, in Ruth chapter 1, if you'll look at verse number 1, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. Now, this is very, very important. When you're looking at the book of Ruth, and if you are a student of the Bible, then you know that, that up front that these four chapters here are coming during a time when the judges ruled. Now, why is that so important? It's because that everybody did that which was right in their own eyes. They did not have prophets did not rule during this time. The priests did not rule during this time. Judges did, which simply meant that now instead of having a, a, a spiritual leader, all they had was a discerner and a judge. That's, that's what they had. So because of that, everybody did that which was right in their own eyes. Here you have a family that decided the famine has hit, and all of a sudden, we need to leave. Famines in the Bible, and you hear a lot of times, especially based off of Ruth chapter 1, oh, when a famine hits, you never need to move. That's not true. Because there was another famine that happened in the Old Testament to where all of a sudden the people of God knew that the famine happened in their land and they needed to get out of their land and they needed to get where bread was, where everything was set for them. So know this, that in a famine, when things start to dry up spiritually in your life and things do not seem like they're going well, there are determining factors on whether or not is it time to move, is it time to get someplace else. And many, many, many families that when I start teaching out of Ruth chapter 1, they, they seem to identify because it's like, I, I just, pastor, can you help me spiritually discern this? So a famine does not mean that once you move that you're out of God's will. The determining factor between the two famines here is where you're going and what has been prepared for you. The famine back with the children of God and in Joseph's time, uh, God sent Joseph ahead that now Joseph is second in command. So when the children of God show up and leave a famine, God has already prepared for them the land of Goshen. God has already prepared for them a spiritual leader. God has already given them the substance to make it through the famine. So, so understand that a famine, Brother Reed, good to see you. A famine doesn't mean that all of the sudden that we need to go or we need to stay. What it means is God is at work. You always must remember that. God is at work. And then here, but however, here in Ruth chapter 1, the family chose to go to Moab. And if you'll kind of uh, look there, and we're just going to kind of rehearse for just a little bit. If you'll, if you'll look there in verse number 6, then she arose with her daughter-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. So now she wants to return. Whenever you're deciding where you're going to go. So this family said, let's go to Moab. They took their children down there. If you'll back up to verse number 2, in the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his, of his wife Naomi, and the name of the two sons Malon, Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came in the country of Moab and continued there. I want you to notice, and Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was what, please, left. 
Now, this is very important. I'm going to reco- uncover just some territory before we get in the next 30 minutes of just new territory. Understand, he chose to go to a land that he now died in that land, and now his wife is left. Whenever you are making a decision, whenever somebody is making a decision, do we go? You have to ask yourself this question, where I'm going to move to if something goes wrong and my wife is left there? Is she being left in a good place? We never consider that the breadwinner is going to pass on, but it is true. But if you keep reading there, not only is the wife left, but now the two sons are taken And if you'll look in verse number five, and Malon and Chilion died also, both of them, and the women was left. So now all of a sudden, Caesar, Eden, making my way over the auditorium, and uh, now all of a sudden, there was a move that was made by this husband with this family, moved into Moab. Moab is a picture of the world. The famine happened, and now they're in this land. Husband dies, sons die, they get married, and now they're left. Please know this, that when things start drying up in your world, it means God's at work. And if God is going to move somebody, he never moves them to Moab. He always moves them to where somebody is controlling the bread in the land. And this is very important to understand. But now as you work your way through chapter 1, you're going to find out that Naomi returns. The book of Ruth is all about the rebuilding of a bad decision. When a bad decision has been made, and then somebody steps into this decision, they said, ah, I went out full. And if you'll look at chapter 1 and look at verse number 19, so they went until they came to Bethlehem, and it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them, and they said, is this Naomi? And she said unto them, call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. Look at it. I went out, what? Full. She was in a famine. Now she recognizes I was full. It, it, may be a, it may have been a, a hard time, but I didn't realize what I had until I lost everything. And now I'm returning. There are seasons in a believer's life to where you get off the beaten path of where you know you should be, where you know you ought to be, and then you sojourn, and now you look back at a time and a place in your life where you say, you know, I used to be more... I used to be full of spirituality. There may come a time in your life, and this is why I love chapter 2. There may come a time in your life, I know I have been there, to where there are seasons to where I'm, I was full back there. I didn't, I didn't realize how Bethlehem Judah means, it means a land of bread. I didn't realize how spiritually I was alive, and I want to get back there. So now we come to verse number one of chapter two. And Naomi had a what, please? Kinsman. So now we have the fact that they're returning to a place. But please know this. You can return to any place you want to return to that you thought you were a better you. But if there is no relationship with the kinsman... It really doesn't matter. If you're bringing a Moab attitude back to Bethlehem Judah, and and this is where when somebody's trying to rebuild their life, sometimes they look, well, if I can just get to the right place, 
can I, can I tell you that when she came back, it says here, and Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was what? Boaz. Well, let, me, let me tell all of us this. Boaz has always been there. Boaz was always in the land. You see, the land that they thought, there's nothing going on here, there's nothing alive here. When they left and they went to Moab and they found out what it cost them in Moab, and then all of a sudden they heard that, man, God showed up back in where we left 10 years ago. Let, let's get back there. But coming back to the land of Bethlehem, Judah, did them no good unless they had a relationship with Boaz. And I, I'm going to come to you tonight because we're going to look through 14 steps that happened in Ruth chapter 2 that developed this relationship with Boaz. Before anybody decides that the place they're at, that famine is unbearable, something's just not going right, I would ask you to explore the Boaz in your world and find Boaz in the land that sometimes you think is a land you need to leave. Sometimes families want to join. And my advice to them, if I'm in talks with them and their pastor, I'll tell them, I think I would try to find Jesus at the place you're at. Doesn't mean that God doesn't move people. It doesn't mean that God doesn't pick people up and move them. The, the Hubbards joined our church, and Brother Pope and I got to hug today and got to embrace, and we, we had about a 45-second conversation about you two, and, uh, and he, he, tears coming down his eyes, and he said, I love that family, and then he said, Bob, I'm glad they're there. And I said, Brother Pope, tell me they had your blessings, and he said, Bob, they got my blessings. Let me tell you something. The thing we want in Christianity is not a move for the sake of a move. It's the move for the sake of the Boaz. That's what we want. And there are, uh, God uses famines to move people, but God also uses famines to find Boaz. Boaz is a representation of Christ. If I were to break it down, Naomi was the soul winner, Ruth was the sinner, Boaz was Jesus Christ, the near kinsman was God the Father. Now let's walk through 14 steps to find Boaz, and what is the result of finding Boaz? I think the first thing I want to tell you is if you'll look at Ruth chapter 2 and verse number 1. And I'm going to put them up on the screen, and hopefully they're ready to go upstairs. Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And so the first thing I want to come to is the verse number 2. How do you know? Where do you find your Boaz? If you're here... And all of a sudden, Emmanuel Baptist Church, and anybody listening to me right now, Emmanuel Baptist Church has lost its glitter, and it's lost its gold, and it's lost its bling. I will tell you this before we get to the first one. I've been a member here for over 45 years. There have been times that here has lost its bling. There have been times that Kelly didn't want to come to church. I didn't want to come to church. I was like, you're going to church because you're my wife. And she would look at me and say, you're going to church because they pay you. But, but there were times. 
It was like, I'm, I'm going to leave. There were times that, that it was like, I'm gone. I'm out. But when you start looking at the land you're in, then this chapter is 14 things. The first one is this. Would you please notice this outlined right here in the, in the chapter? And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, let us now go to the what, please? Field and glean ears of corn in whose sight I shall find what? Grace. The first thing is the field of grace. The field of grace. That, that, that one word right there never sells short the word grace because no matter how you define it, it is a graciousness. Let me tell you something. You don't want to go from a famine to a Moabitess attitude to where there's no grace. Let me tell you something. You know what grace is? Grace is, I understand you don't deserve my interaction, but I'm going to come down and interact with you. If Boaz is the type of Christ in the book of Ruth, and Naomi and, uh, and, and Ruth are the type of the sinner, can I tell you something? She was in the right field because it wasn't the field of works. It was the field of grace. And ladies and gentlemen, we, I think, in our type of churches, we have lost the element of being gracious and giving grace because you and I don't deserve grace. There was nothing inherent about Ruth that deserved grace, but she was in the right field. And there is something to be said about graciousness. So before anybody says, I'm in a famine, can I ask us a question? If we are in a field of grace, are we being gracious to everybody else? You see, sometimes we're sitting back waiting on people to give us grace. But you know what we don't do for other people? Give them grace. If your list is short, then I feel sorry for your Christianity. Because Christ doesn't have you on the short list. He has you on the long list of over and 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 over about the same sin, about the same sin, about the same sin, about the same sin, about the same sin. You know why people don't confess their sins? Because they're tired of going to God about the same sin. But you know what God says? Not me. I can't wait to hear from you one more time about the sin that I've already forgiven. And the thing that I love about the rebuilding, because you and I have had times in Moab we have had times where we strayed from where bread was and we found ourselves like, good night, I want to get back. We never come back, but we can rebuild because at the end of the book of Ruth, if you'll flip to the very last verse, and Obed begat Jesse and Jesse begat David. The man after God's own heart came through the lineage of chapter 2. And if you and I think for, to some degree that, boy, we are just, we're, we'll never recover. Recovering is not about your life. Recovering is about where you put your family on. You and I may have stories of Moab, but out of our stories of Moab, once we find Boaz and we get in that field of grace, guess what's going to come out of our lineage? A David. So now the first thing is you're going to find out that there's the field of grace if you'll go to verse number three and four, they all outline themselves. And she went and came and gleaned in the field of the reapers. 
And her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless thee. The second one was this, the field of being busy. The field of being busy. You see, you cannot and I cannot sit back and return. Say, how in the world... How in the world do we, does somebody go from living a season in Moab, whether it be a day, 10 years, a week, do you ever get to the point to where you're like, good night, I don't like my spiritual condition. I don't want to live this way. I got to get out of this, of this shadow. How do you get out of this shadow? You get busy. In what field? The field of grace. You extend to other people what Christ has extended to you. You see, we've got to uh, teach and preach the doctrine of get out of your field of Moab. Don't carry the attitude of Moab to where there is no bread. There is no next in Moab except death. And start extending grace. I've had an experiment going on for the last six weeks, knowing I was going to get to chapter two sometime after the holidays. And I told a gentleman, I use this by permission, I said, Sir, I want you to take the next six weeks, and I want you to shake 10 hands every service, and I want you to tell them, God loves you. I called him today, said, Hey, getting ready for this one. How'd it go? He said, It's amazing. You know what's amazing about that? The more I tell people God loves you, the more I feel like God loves me. I said, why? He said, because if God could love somebody that ugly, God can love me. And I said, that wasn't the experiment that we wanted. He said, no, pastor, these people are messed up. No, pastor, I'm shaking people's hands that they just, they, they, they quickly run in and, and I look for the people just run in and sit down real quick and I make a point to go, hey, how you doing, brother? I am so glad to see you. And they look at me like, and I think to myself, was I that way? Yes. You know how you get out of being that way? Get busy in the field of grace. How do you find your Boaz? You and I will never find Christ until we start getting busy in Christ. If you'll look there, it outlines itself. Look at verse number five. Verse number five, what a beautiful love story. Then said Boaz unto the servant that was set over the reapers, whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, it is the Moabitess damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. The next thing is this, being busy brings recognition. Now hold it. You're not working your way to be recognized. You're putting yourself in the position to recognize. You you, you see, there's something wonderful about that when we get busy, say, say, because the book of Ruth is all about the family making a bad decision, and how do I get back? How, how do I get back to spiritually to this love relationship that I used to have with Jesus Christ? The first thing, you got to pick the right field. Stop running with people that are all about hate and negative and always griping and complaining and negative, always got something dumb to say about somebody. And that's why social media will tear your spirit up. 
And I'm going to say it again. Social media is nothing but playing, peeking in somebody's life who's leaving their windows open to get all their junk out for everybody to see. You know what's really crazy is we like it, we share it, we comment on it, rather than block, delete, and unsubscribe. There's no pride in being the first to know garbage. That's like crawling in the dumpster out there than running into the church. Look what I found in the dumpster. There's no pride in being a dumpster diver. Okay. Come on now. There's no pride in being a dumpster diver. Okay, all right, all right. Here we go. So, so, so understand that you'll find here she's on her way back to building this relationship with Boaz, and now there is this field of being recognized. Now, the next thing is this. Look at verse number 7. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather at the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now. Look at verse number 7, if I could. Drop down to verse number 8. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter, go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. You know, you not only have the field of grace, the field of being busy. And by the way, if you want to take a glance at verse number seven, she said that she worked all day in that field. She just didn't hit and miss from morning until now. And then she was recognized. Have you ever been sitting in a service and the Lord spoke to your heart? You know what that means? He recognized you. But if you're sitting in a service and you're not busy about grace, then don't expect to be touched by his grace. Because usually how somebody comes into church, if they don't open up their heart and let God speak to them. I received one of the kindest texts from one of our men that said, I came in Sunday morning looking for something, and I walked out and I found it. It was in Jesus. You see, what you come in looking for is what you go out and you receive. And there's a lot of times, you're like, how come he didn't touch me? Because we're asking him to touch us in a field that he does not work in. He doesn't walk in the field of the works of the flesh. He walks in the field of grace. And if Boaz is not showing up and recognizing you, but then the second thing is recognition brings favor. Ah, there you go. You're having us work for his favor. Nobody works for his favor. He gives his favor. And I think there's a lot of times that if you are in a season of Moab and you're like, things are dying in my life, things are not going well in my life, then let's get back to the land of bread. Let's get back to that field of grace. Let's start living in that field of grace. And then what you're going to find out is that field of grace brings a busyness in grace. Then that field of grace, all of a sudden you start, you're recognized. He reaches down and he touches you. He touched me. And that's what happens. And that's why two people can sit in the same field of grace and one is just like, that was wonderful. And the other is like, did you see so-and-so and so-and-so and how dare you? Did you? Why? Because it's all depending, are you being recognized? I hope, and I said it Sunday night, I hope someplace in 2023 that God so recognizes Bob Gray II that I can't finish a sermon and I just, I'm done. I want to be recognized. But then that brings a favor. 
Let me tell you something. There's no such thing as lucky people in this world. When you, when you find out somebody that's got favor of God, then I'll tell you this much, they've been operating in this field. So if you look at here, it, it, this is such a wonderful, and, it, and it, it outlines itself, so it brings favor. And then look at verse number nine. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap and go after them that I, that, uh, after them have I not charged the young men that they shall not what? Touch thee when thou art athirst. Go into the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. The next thing is this, is that when you are developing this relationship, so if you've been away from the Lord and you're trying to get back, always remember You've got to get in that field of grace because once you're in that field of grace, that's where God lives. That's where Boaz is. And then all of a sudden, what you're going to find out is you get busy about his grace. Not about your world. Not a, get busy about his grace. And then, oh, my soul, you're going to get recognized. And then after you get recognized, all of a sudden, you feel this favor. Have, have you ever had special recognition across? Today, Brother Pope made my day. Man, he made my day. Our family's known, known him since I've been eighth grade. And I saw him on the back of my, my brother-in-law and sister's convertible Mustang when they couldn't get him back. And he's just sitting on the back there singing all these love songs, going through the streets of East Texas. R.G., when he had heart surgery at 16, Johnny Pope showed up wearing a fireman's hat, Mickey Mouse tie, Mickey Mouse suspenders, singing, coming through the hallway, and you could hear him. And he came in there and gave R.G. that hat. When, when, when he was shaking hands today, and all of a sudden he looked above somebody, and he saw me, it was like, Bob, as only he can say it. Now, that may not meant much to anybody else, but you know what that is? That's favor. And do you know what you and I want? We want the Lord Jesus Christ somewhere in our lives to look over the battlements of heaven and to look through the Holy Ghost and just say, Daniel, there is something about getting favor. Has a song ever blessed you? That's the favor of God. Has a scripture ever transformed you? That's the favor of God. Have you ever been in your word and then God brought a, when's the last, that's the favor. But you and I may be in the right place and not have the relationship with the Boaz. So it's developing. This is developing itself and you have the favor. Next, look at verse number nine. The favor brings protection. Would you look what it says? Don't touch him. Don't touch him. I wonder how many things should have happened to you. But because that hedge of God was around you. And all the time, well, this bad happened to me and this bad. It's such a terrible world out there. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because we're going to get to heaven and we're going to find out God protected us from a hundred different things that should have took us out. Do you know there was a hedge around Job and, and the devil couldn't get to Job because there was a hedge. And I believe, I believe that when you honor God with your tithes and your offerings, I believe when you honor God with your life, I believe when you honor God with who you are, there is a protection. My mama used to say it this way about my daddy. That's the only man I know that can walk through a pie fight and never get hit by a pie. I never understood that until she said, watch that three stooges right there. Okay, and... Uh, but look at verse 10. In verse number 10, the relationship begins. You see, when you're operating in the field of grace and you're busy and you're recognized, you bring favor and protection. Look at verse number 10. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why 
have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger. You know what the relationship is with the Lord? The relationship with the Lord is not one of all about you. It's all about who am I? Why in the world would you ever love me? Would you please go back to your darkest day and your darkest deed and your nastiest you? Other people who walked away from you? Other people that mounted their horse of white self-righteousness? You know what the Lord said? I want you. Why? Because we were lost and helpless. Do you know what this lady said? Who am I? You know you're in that relationship with the Lord when you don't walk around like a pompous politician, but you truly view yourself. I'm a stranger. Who am I? And by the way, you can't fake that kind of humility. But next to the Boaz, next to Jesus Christ, you don't beat your chest. You fall on your face and you say, God, I don't even know why you love me because I don't even like me. So relationship begins. Then look at verse 11 and 12. I love this, the attraction of the story. Look, look what it says here. And Boaz answered and said unto her, it had fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and, thou, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity, and art come unto the people which thou knowest not henceforth. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. And I think the PowerPoint messed up, but in verse 11 and 12, there's the attraction of the story. Let me tell you, Boaz had this attraction because Boaz said this, I know your story. It's been showed me by the reapers. And let me tell you something. Can can I echo what the Savior said in the Gospels? That if you don't hate mother and father. You know what he was saying? Not that you hate your mother and father, but that your love for that world should look like hate for this world. And do you know what, Jesus, that relationship with the Lord, when somebody doesn't have that relationship with Boaz, then they're, then, then they're busy in the wrong field. But something starts happening. Do you remember when you were there? Something starts happening to where you knew the favor of God and you knew songs were touching your heart. The sermons were making you just like the Scripture. Somebody would read a Scripture. A Scripture was read today by Jamie's uh, uh, Uncle Mike when he started reading there at the, at the end. And, and there, was, there was one phrase in there that I was like, oh, my goodness. And let me tell you something. When when that starts, everybody knows what it's like to be on this spiritual high with Boaz. And all of a sudden, the attraction is this. He knew the story about the choice she made when she turned her back on that family in Moab and said, I want that family over there. It doesn't mean you hate your family. You know what it means? I'm so in love with what's going on in Bethlehem, Judah, that I really don't want to stay here. 
the story was amazing, but not only that, the religion was incredible. Because look what he said there in verse, verse number 12. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel. Look at this. Under whose wings thou art come to what? Trust. Well, there's something wonderful. You remember them days to where you're like, if I can just get underneath the shadow of God's wing, God's going to take care of me. I'm going to be okay. God's in control. There were days when Christians lived in Ruth chapter 2. Boaz was all they cared about. They were in the right field. They had favor from the Lord Jesus Christ. They knew there was a connect. And there's this attraction. Who doesn't feel responsible when somebody leaves this world and they trust in that world? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Take no thought for tomorrow. What tomorrow? Tomorrow's going to take care of itself. God's taking care of us to this day. Would you, not, would you agree with that? You sit here. If you died right now, he, he's not going to owe you a refund when you step into heaven. He's, he's recompensed you. Look at it. Verse 13. This is where everybody wants to be. I love this. I love this. Look at verse 13. Then she said, let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for that thou hast comforted me, for that thou hast spoken, what please? Friendly unto thy handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaids. There was a friendly. There's a friendliness that comes when you're with Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something. Grouches aren't close to Jesus Christ. There's a friendliness that comes. And I'll tell you that there are times I need comfort. And there are times that I need friendliness. And then look at verse 14. It's just, this is the relationship with Boaz. Look at it, verse number 14. And Boaz said unto her, at mealtime come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the, in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her, her, her parched, and he reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed and left. Not only was there friendliness, but there's a personal interaction. Paul was caught up to the third heaven. Paul came back down from the third heaven. He couldn't even describe what happened. He just couldn't. He said, I can't even describe to you. I... I don't believe any one of us are going to be caught up to the third heaven. I believe Paul was the last apostle. This is why God granted him that. But God does not do that anymore. But I'll tell you what God does do. Through the Holy Spirit of God, you will go places with God in this book. And in a spiritual renewal and revival that when somebody tries to ask you about it, you can't describe it. Have you ever been there where you cried so much and somebody put their arm around you and said, you okay? And you just said, I, I, I'm fine. No, no, tell me about it. And you're like, I can't. I don't even know how to describe what is happening to me. That's because Boaz is at work. You see, please don't think that Bethlehem Judah without Boaz is a place to live. Because Bethlehem Judah without Boaz is no better than Moab without Boaz. Boaz makes the place. And that's why you and I have to yearn to get back to a chapter 2 to where it's like I'm going to get busy about grace and I want to know that he's touched me and I want to know that I have this interaction. Look at verse 15 through 18. 
15 through 18, and when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, let her glean everyone among the sheaves and reproach her not, and let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her and leave them, that she may glean them and rebuke her not. So she gleaned in the field and even and beat out that she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. If you'll notice there in verse number 18, and she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she brought forth and gave to her that she had reserved after she was sufficed. Can I tell you something? God will always take care of us. God will always. Can I echo that again? God will always take care of us. I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know when. But all I have to be is busy in the field of grace. And that special relationship, listen to this, makes me okay until he comes through with enough that suffices. If you switch fields now, you just may switch the owners of that field because the next thing was this. Look at verse number 19. And her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today? Where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought and said, The man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, blessed be, the, blessed be he of the Lord who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. Look what it says there. And Ruth the Moabite said, Well, he said unto me also, Thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. And Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It's good, my daughter, that thou go out with his maidens, that they meet thee not in any other field. The thirteenth thing I want to tell you is this. That was some good advice by somebody who had been in Bethlehem, Judah. Do you know it takes people who have been there to tell people to go there? You know what this is all about? It's all about the season you spend in Moab. That you shouldn't have been in Moab. But God brought you back from Moab. And now what God wants you to do is to get back into Bethlehem, Judah, and look at those people who never experienced this before and say, the only person you need to hook your train to is Jesus Christ. Get back to Bethlehem, Judah. But I'm going to tell you, that's the right field, and don't you ever go to another field. Some of you have some incredible stories to tell about Moab wanderings that God has rejuvenated you. And the last thing I want to tell you is this. Look at verse 22, 23. And she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to clean unto the end of the barley, uh, end of the barley harvest and of wheat harvest, and dwelt with her mother-in-law. And then once you hop to chapter 3, then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter... Shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz our kindred, in whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. The last thing I'll tell you is this. The greatest privilege you have is to introduce somebody else to Boaz and then back out. It's time for you to be alone with Boaz.
Katie, Trent, your family are tired of chaperoning you people. God bless Kristen. But can I tell you, when I pronounce you husband and wife Friday, and then y'all leave, it ain't none of our business where you go. None. And you know what we desire in Christianity? is for everybody here to have their own relationship with Jesus Christ. That he becomes the love of your life. If you've been in Moab, and you're like, I don't think I'll ever get back to that relationship, read Ruth chapter 2. Jesus is your Boaz. Get busy in the right field and watch what he can do for us. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast of the sermons from Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. We trust that the sermons and God's word was a blessing to you and yours. Please visit us at ebclongview.com. If we can do anything for you, please let us know. Have a great day.